Lucas, thank you so much for joining us today on Startup Steroid and uh, sharing your story with Tensor and how you sort of got started and um, what you hope to achieve with this company. Uh, but before we get into all of that, tell us a little bit about yourself and what sort of brought you to, uh, to the stage. Yeah, ha happy to do so. So I'll take it back all the way to undergrad. Uh, I'm a biomedical engineer by training. And I got um, an amazing opportunity and privilege to publish in uh, my last year of undergrad. And that gave me a really great taste of research. So I jumped in and pursued um, a master's in biomedical optics and medical imaging and ended up working in multiple labs across the country. This is up in Vancouver, British Columbia. So in Canada, that you know, collaborated with universities out east in Montreal with collaborators in the States. And I even did five to six months at a university called IIT Bombay in Mumbai. And through those experiences, um, there was one common thread, amazing technologies that could address massive unmet needs in the population, all collecting dust in a bunch of peer-reviewed publications. And so I really made a conscious decision to pursue commercialization versus a PhD. And... Uh, Started my first company right out of grad school. It lasted a year, and I really learned also in healthcare. And I learned three valuable lessons. You know, um, let's say only build end-to-end -end solutions, uh, work with decision makers in healthcare, and ultimately uh, make sure you don't run out of money. And <laughs> the reason I was so passionate about commercialization is I grew up my whole life in business. So we have had multiple uh, family businesses. We have a venture venture-backed family business, past a Series A, and um, uh, my, my, my sister's an entrepreneur, my father's an entrepreneur, even my grandmother was an entrepreneur. So business is just in the blood, and, and so that, again, really drove home the need to commercialize uh, these amazing technologies. And then post that first company, uh, needed a job, needed to pay the bills, so went back into academia, took over as lab manager for Canada's largest rehab uh, research lab, uh, Minerva, and uh, met my co-founder Gautam there at the time. And they were working on a technology for tracking the hand and the wrist for stroke survivors to provide them guidance and feedback and empower them throughout the recovery process. And that really resonated with my personal story in physical therapy. So about 10 years ago, um, I uh, had an accident and I spent four years doing physical therapy to avoid back surgery. Wow. And it was riddled um, with you know, unbearable pain, uh, didn't really know what the recovery process would entail and really how to get better. So um, that key lesson, and then I also wanna share my, my co-founder's uh, founding story, Gautam, where he, um, if I speak on his behalf, he lost 150 pounds using hard zone training data, guidance and feedback to empower his weight recovery at doing undergrad. And that led to a passionate biomedical sensing and the creation of our patent pending technology that we've commercialized at Tensor Health. So those two stories really come together at BIT uh, or Tensor Health in the sense of we're really about providing patients with the data, the guidance and feedback they need uh, to kind of empower them, to motivate them throughout their recovery journey. So uh, here we are. Here we are today. That, that's fantastic. What an what a amazing story. And you and Gautam both have achieved some amazing things with your body and recovery and all of those things. So uh, kudos to you on that. 
thank you. Let, let, now let's sort of get into the story behind uh, this, this venture uh, yeah. and how it, you said the initial idea was really uh, born in a university uh, research lab. Uh, so tell us about that and how you sort of that initial concept uh, was to commercialize it. Yeah, so so you know uh, we worked on the on the tracking technology to track the hand, the wrist, and the elbow uh, at the R and D, and really prove out the technology and do it in a wearable. So I'm just gonna bring it up to the video right here. And it's yeah. quite simple and right at the wrist, and you know that was not obvious at the time, and uh, that that was that we were capable of doing that. So the initial challenges for the company was first of all, does this work with folks that have injuries and impairments? And so Gautam, while working full-time for a Cloud3 medical device company called Lungpaste Medical, he achieved a lot with that. He did his master's as well to prove it out with stroke patients and actually got that all published, which was an amazing win from a tech perspective. And I worked pr predominantly on the commercialization. Can, this, can our sensors scale? Can we get them custom-made? Can we get them at a cost that makes this business opportunity possible. When we, when we proved those two things, we decided to incorporate and you know, raise a bit of angel capital at the time and get started. That is in like mid to late 2017. Um, so, I'll stop there. I wanna, yeah, no, I, I think just that's a the founding, founding story of the company itself. Yeah, no, I think that's a great start. Um, tell us, you mentioned, you know, you're essentially working with elbow, hand and wrist. Yeah. Um, tell us exactly what the, the the device is measuring and how it's measuring. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, happy to do so. So uh, we um, and and just to for people listening to this, you know, we're focused on critical joint injuries. So those are the shoulder down, the ankle, uh, which currently are not being served like the back and knee by other companies. And we choose that. Um, uh, we're very uh, picky about that. Like that's that's our niche practically. Uh, and in itself a multi-billion dollar opportunity. Take, taking a step back from that, um, the technology measures uh, wrist angles, so up, down, left, right, and rotation, how much you're rotating from the elbow, it's called supination, pronation, extension, flexion, all the radial, on uh, the radial, and as well it measures tendon and muscle movement at the wrist. So if everyone is watching this, draw me in a quick exercise, Vala, you included, please take your Absolutely. right hand, Place it on your left wrist like this. Perfect. Yeah, make a fist. Open your hand, wiggle your fingers, go up and down. You should be able to feel the tendons and muscle moving here. Yeah. And yeah. if you feel that, uh, that's what we're measuring. So we have sensors embedded in the strap that measure that tendon and muscle movement. And so that allows us to really measure uh, clin uh, clinically relevant parameters that have not been trackable to date. And those will include uh, wrist ergonomics grip strength, hand function, as your hand open and close, very important for neuro rehab, for example. This gives us a rich, um, a big platform for to really move that field forward in many ways. Um, and then so that, then that track, so the wearable does the tracking, we send that track, that data to the software. And what the software does is we've turned your boring rehab exercises that are currently now on piece of paper into fun, engaging games that tell you where you're in recovery and where you need to get in your recovery. And we make it fun engaged. So you do it 15 minutes a day, for example, and you're working through the ranges of motion that you want to achieve. And we make sure that you're doing strengthening, stretching, and progressive loading exercises. This is also our core IP. We've gamified 
and made therapeutic games, which is very exciting. And, and patients love it. Like they, they get very excited about it and it's definitely not boring. So with, and so ultimately what happens is they get better and then they can also measure their range of motion on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, share that with their therapist as, ne as needed. And so they're in the not, they practically, they know what's going on all the time. Got it. So this is a wearable that you can use at home, but yeah. this is meant to be a medical device. So you, you're still tied to a physical therapist or uh, some sort of rehab service, which is tracking and sort of monitoring the service. Is that right? It, yes, exactly. So, so this must be used under the guidance of a physical therapist. In other words, if PT needs to be involved within the process, either the diagnostic perspective, so example, the conditions, so just to elaborate a little bit of what the conditions we address are, hand and wrist impairment, hand and wrist pain. Those are wrist fracture, wrist arthritis, carpal tunnel syndrome, tennis elbow, golfer's elbow, tendonitis, spasticity due to stroke. And so that these conditions need to be diagnosed properly by a professional. And then typically post-clinic, post, you know, you leave the clinic, you're supposed to do your home exercise program. And that's where we come in, where we've taken that, digitized it, made it fun, made it engaging. And, uh, and then, you know, every week or two, the, the patient is encouraged um, to, you know, to touch base with the therapist, make sure they're on track if needed. And so the therapist is involved in that process. Yeah. Got it. Very so how does the information get back to the therapist? Is there a phone app that it syncs to? The, tell me, sir, walk me yeah, through yeah. the, the per exact Perfect. Process. Yeah. So I'll tell you what is available today and where we're going to go. So okay. just to manage expectations and quotation. So we have an MVP stage at the moment. So, uh, you know, hardware is locked, many, design for manufacturing is locked. We're just in the midst of transfer manufacturing. The software is also complete and we're actively selling it. And what the software does, it, it's on a uh, tablet and it's going to be also available on uh, Windows tablet right now. It'll be also available on iOS later this year and Android. And that data right now is downloaded just specifically in a PDF and can be emailed to the therapist. Ultimately, we're building a cloud infrastructure for that data to go into the EMRs of these PT clinics. But we don't have enough PTs right now. We work with dozens of PTs at the moment, and the email solutions happens to work extremely well for them. It fits within the workflow, doesn't add any extra cognitive load, and uh, ultimately, we want to go to the cloud-based infrastructure uh, because that's we should be going towards that, but uh, none of our clients right now are yelling at us for it. So <laughs> until we get enough complaints, then we'll spend the money on that. And, and that will be with vendors and contractors that we've identified. Got it. And how often do those PDF reports uh, go out or how often does the patient actually have to open up the email and attach them? And send them? Yeah. So, so typically uh, it's really dependent on, on, on their therapist cadence, but I would say at least once a week, and typically maybe okay. once every two weeks. So, you know, think about the normal recovery process well, where you have an injury, you go into the PT clinic, you get diagnosed, you get about 10 sessions spread over uh, a handful of weeks or, you know, it could be six right. to four months at times. So you go into the clinic every two weeks or once a week or twice a week. It really depends on the cadence. So uh, we right now on average have been uh, once a week for the, for the patients. And we have a small number of patients, right? We're just about to launch. So Okay. Um, now, uh, we also have to think about, you know, safeguards as far as patients overexerting. If, if, if we're introducing gamification, we sort of have yeah. to 
uh, worry about the extremes. Uh, yeah. uh, are, are there any safeguards on, you know, what you ask the patient to do or what they are, you know, uh, what they may feel like they're forced to do? Yeah, so, 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 and, and you know, that'll be great. There'll definitely be a feature walkthrough video provided to, to the audience here, but um, typically, uh, and you know, I'm going to try to make it simplified as much as possible, but let's say you have a limited range of motion and you really want to get to this range of motion. Mm-hmm. You're going to, over a couple of weeks, work through that range of motion at 30%, 50%, 80%, 100%. Right. And so the initial recovery is bounded, 30 to 50 to 80. So the games, the movements that you need to follow will be within those bounds. Now, the device doesn't stop you from going over that bound. However, we have haptics in the device that can vibrate and warn you if you're going over that threshold where, you know, we don't want you to go over that threshold because you might injure yourself more. Uh, or, you know, and then that increases your recovery process. So we have the visual bounds on, in the game, and then we have actually haptics um, uh, in the device itself. Perfect, perfect. Okay, uh, th- this sounds great. Um, let's talk about the timeline now. Uh, I understand yes. you got started uh, around uh, 2015, but initially it was just a concept, sort of a part-time idea. Walk yeah. us through that initial period and what the, what the game plan was at that time. Definitely, definitely. So a bit of history of the company. So 2015 is kind of when we set up shop. Uh, We were both working on it evening and weekends. And then in mid-2017, we had a prototype that uh, I believed was um, sufficiently robust. It was probably a TLDR, so technology readiness level of, you know, we started at zero, if you think about it, and brought it up to uh, probably a six or seven. And that was sufficient to... um, to excite a few investors, and we raised uh, a modest amount of capital in in 2017 uh, to really start the commercialization process. At the time, um, we were focused on stroke rehab, enabling um, feedback for stroke patients. And we um, people in the VR AR industry got wind of what we were able to do in full transparency, and said, "Could we use this technology for hand tracking, hands free tracking in VR AR? So no controllers." Which uh, ultimately sounded like a fantastic use case. So we spent about six months um, uh, diving into that market opportunity for us and really learning on the other end of it uh, that there wasn't a true business case in the sense of uh, it was VRAR was just up and coming and there wasn't enough adopters. There was, uh, we ended up being an accessory to accessories, which you never want to be. So I, you know, right. going back to my initial lesson in my first startup, you got to own the end-to-end solution in healthcare. Right. And um, uh, we also got into Techstars in 2018, and they really helped us focus on the unmet need, the pain to solve in the market. And we went back to um, hand pain, wrist pain. And it turns out um, that about 30 to 50% of PT's upper extremity, which is uh, shoulder down, mm-hmm. and all of the conditions I shared earlier in the interview uh, require similar rehab modality so same stretching strengthening to get full mobility back so it's it was an amazing opportunity beyond stroke so we widened it to include orthopedic and neurological conditions and that you know practically at the moment is one out of you know there's 30 million americans suffering from those conditions that's almost one out of 10 which is a huge market opportunity for us Uh, and that's a niche and then then our technology itself is you know with the exercise you can put it you can put it anywhere on the body that has tendons and muscles so, you know, naturally you could put it at the shoulder, the hip, the back, the knee, and the ankle, but we're focused on critical joints. Um, 
to start things off. So just to, so we graduated Techstars 2018 with our focus on health, really healthcare, building this out as a medical device. And, get, and uh, we worked very hard to build out our medical advisory board, our clinical partnerships, uh, run different pilots during uh, in clinics at the time, because our go-to-market was to sell to clinics first and then sell to patients. And then the pandemic hit. And, yeah. you know, we were days away from launching it for in-clinic use. And what did COVID do? It closed the clinics temporarily for two months. So we had to change our operations, pivot to some extent, change our operations to enable home use, change the software to be really patient-centric, patient-facing at that moment, and then pilot that out, which we ended up doing in Q3, Q4 last year with really incredible results, like 9.1 out of 10 satisfaction, 15 patients, they loved it. Uh, we have video testimonials that we can share from them and also quotes. And, uh, you know, in, in many ways, COVID-19 became an accelerator for digital health. And I'm, I'm sure you're all familiar with the massive adoption of telehealth and digital health due to the pandemic. And so we were ready and lucky. You know, and so, right. and this comes back to, you know, we've been able to oversubscribe our round. We are just looking for 500K and we've oversubscribed and now we're at 850K within two and a half months of opening up the round. So you can really see the market demand for, um, for solving this problem in the market. Fantastic. Fantastic. Let me ask you, we keep talking about, you know, uh, uh, this as a medical device and there's a whole uh, a regulatory process behind mm -hmm. that. Well, what can be called a medical device? Tell me a little bit about sort of uh, you know how you fit into that uh, uh, that that infrastructure. Um, how, how what kind of FDA process do you have to go through? Yeah, ha happy to do so. So we are a class one five ten k exempt device. And for people listening to this, uh, that means we are a low risk medical device. Uh, the FDA has seen similar products to us in the sense of uh, they don't re require um, uh, clinical studies to be submitted to be part of our submission because we are low risk and uh, no one will die if uh, we, you don't end up using the device. Um, yeah. However, getting clinical data is very important and we, we, we've done that and continue to do so. Um, so we're class one, five, 10 K exempt. And actually in December, we got our medical device establishment license from health Canada, which is equivalent to FDA registration. So we already approved and good to go in Canada and have onboarded our first paying subscribers, uh, just this past month, which is very exciting for us. We had low volumes, uh, since the company is now spending, um, is looking to close out that round, uh, to finalize transfer to manufacturing for high volume devices. So, um, that's a winded answer to your question. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> no, that, that, that's, uh, that's very helpful. Now let's get into all of the, you know, you've gone through a bunch of clinical tests and uh, processes. Tell us a little bit about what clinics are you working with? What kind of partnerships you have? Uh, uh, because I think that's the more important question. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So it's, it's you know, it's really down to our go-to-market. Um, and we have a two-pronged approach to go-to-markets. Uh, so we have online and via clinics. So online is demand generation driven by Facebook ad, AdWords, direct to the patient, kind of with the objective of kind of getting the patient to ask their clinician about Tensor. It's like a pharma marketing strategy, which ultimately right. leads to flywheel effect. And then uh, the clinics, uh, we have partners, we have partnerships with clinical partnerships with hand surgeons and physical therapists 
at outpatient clinics and hospital systems in North America. To name a few, you know, you're looking at St. Paul Hospital in Vancouver, Westside Hand Clinic, Pure Life PT. Uh, you might not know those names. The more com the more famous names uh, in the U.S., we work closely with um, hand surgeons at, uh, at Stanford, UCSF. We also have a partnership with Mayo Clinic. They're also an investor in the company. And we actually have a, kind of a healthy pipeline of clinics that we're, we're actively recruiting. Um, yeah, I think that answer. And that's for patient referrals. So we're looking for these clinics to uh, refer patients to Tensor. Fantastic, fantastic. So I think that brings us to essentially where we are today. You've already done a, a clinical trial with 15 patients. What's the goal for 2021? Uh, how many patients are you hoping to sign up? Um, and uh, where where will those patients come from? What kind of partnerships do you have to expand? Yeah, yeah, perfect. So um, we're in the midst of raising around to enable full commercial launch in British Columbia. That's earmarked for Q2. The idea is to serve and onboard over 100 patients by the end of Q2. And at that moment, and, and to enable that, we are working with our local partners in British Columbia. So we have a handful of clinics that we, we're working with both in the interior and in the lower mainland and hospitals. And then by the end of Q2, with 100 patients onboarded, we will submit our FDA registration paperwork. And we will, this will tr those two events will trigger us opening our next round of financing, which will be $2.5 million preferred equity. So the goal is for these convertible notes today to convert by the end of the year. That's the plan. Mm -hmm. And that $2.5 million is to do U.S. expansion. And U.S. expansion is based on Washington State, California, and Arizona. We've, we have partnerships and our networks there. The intent, if one wants to look at this from a 20,000-foot view, our goal is to serve 1,000 patients in year one of commercial launch. So from Q2 of this year, mid-Q2 of this year, to Q2 next year, with a thousand patients we want to serve and add, have at least 25 therapists on the platform, active therapists on the platform. When we reach that milestone, that will trigger us raising our Series A to scale Tensor beyond that. Got it. Perfect. Yeah. Um, that's a very clear goal. So I, I'm, I'm really happy with that. Um, one thing that we didn't really touch on are all of the extracurricular activities that you've done. Uh, I know you had some success in 2016. I, I, I want to sort of find out about uh, what other things you have planned, but let's start with that. Let's talk about Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. So um, in, in 2015, 2016, I, I, um, I had, again, the privilege, opportunity to lead uh, Canada's team to the world's first cyborg Olympics called Cybethylon, which is, you can imagine, the Paralympics, but with power, powered bionics. And our team specifically worked on upper extremity. There's a bit of a theme. Uh, and we, our pilot, Danny Latane at the time, had a uh, transradial amputation. In other words, he did not have a hand or wrist. And we used sensing technology, bio, um, biomedical or uh, 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 sensing technology on the forearm. And in order to decipher with machine learning, decipher his intention to drive a bionic hand, so an artificial hand, and compete on the world stage to do. And, uh, you know, we raised the crowdfunding campaign for that. We had, uh, we worked on the technology development for at least two years. And it was a fantastic experience because, unfortunately, uh, the market sizing, the market size for people with disabilities is small, that the innovation is lagging significantly. 
And so, you know, that was really my main driver is to showcase um, what can be done uh, if we put our minds to it. And, and the reality is uh, the standard of care or prosthetics for upper extremities remains today to be the um, cable hook uh, prosthetic, which is two cables at the shoulder and the elbow, invented turn of the century, 19th century. And yeah. it's a hook open and closed. And it's a gold standard. It's very efficient, works extremely well. And uh, they ended up winning the competition uh, because bionics technology still needs so much investment and so much work to become right. as robust and reliable as that. So uh, that's what we did in 20, that's what I did in 2016, yeah. Got it, got it. A any plans to do something like that uh, in the coming uh, year, two years? I, I, would, I would love to, as a company in the future, sponsor the next team. At mm -hmm. The 2020 event just happened. We did not get the opportunity to participate this year. Um, and, uh, yeah, again, it's, I, 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 keep an eye, close eye on, on the tech development in that area. And hopefully in four years we can maybe sponsor a new team. And that would be perfect. Uh, so I, I think that's a perfect transition to sort yeah. of that long-term vision, you know, three, five years out, what, what, where do you see this company going? Um, uh, uh, and what do you hope to achieve? Yeah. So, you know, if someone asked me, okay, Lucas, you're asking me, you know, Today, five years, where is this, where is Tensor Health in the marketplace? You know, we want to become the branded category leader in digital physical therapy for critical joint injuries. Those include hand, wrist, elbow, shoulder, ankle, and, and, and kind of like, like facilitate next generation PT um, due to kind of a validated sensing technology and the massive database uh, that we've we've built from all the recovery journeys from all our patients, we should by then have crossed had at least one hundred and fifty thousand patients treated, um, and the reality is we most likely will get acquired, most likely get acquired way before that. So <laughs> that's uh, just from a medical device perspective. So got it. Um, yeah, and yeah, I think that's my five year vision for the okay. company. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, um, we've sort of covered a lot of things in, in the in, in the last uh, you know half hour that we've spent together. Yeah. But uh, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you think is important that we should probably highlight uh, in this interview? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think IP is very important. Yeah. Um, uh, because we are an IP generating company, and I'm just for this. It's just it helps me a little bit to make it concise. Um, you know, to mention what our IP, so I, where are we at the IP right now? We've, we've filed in, in Europe, the US and Canada with a normal priority, uh, regular priority uh, track right now with the proceeds from this note round, we're gonna uh, do a track one filing so we can get a US patent granted within a year from filing. Um, and the IP itself protects novel sensors and hardware required to capture the muscle tendon movement at the wrist for all critical joint injuries and the signal processing and data methods uh, that we developed to able to track those limbs. We've also patented the, the methods of use of the device to fit within the therapy workflow and crucially to reduce the risk of injury. Um, and because of our strong IP position and potential, uh, we work with Wilson Sincini, full transparency uh, for investors on the call. They're also investors in the company. So they invested 50K cash, not services, cash into the company. Uh, so I would like to highlight that we have a strong IP position and that's just one aspect of our 
IP moat, you know, my, beyond the secret sauce, our clinical partnerships and, um, and our strategy, really. Absolutely. Fantastic. Really well done. Um, uh, Lucas, thank you again for coming on today and, and sharing your story and the you know, story uh, for ten, uh, Tensor. Uh, I'm really excited and I'm hoping that uh, we can hear more and we can continue the conversation going into the future. Um, but thank you again.